And verse number one, as we're looking at the doctrine of justification, we started Wednesday, and uh, I didn't hardly make it through point one, but we'll we'll take on off here as we consider it further what it is to be justified uh, in the Lord Jesus. And we read here in, in Romans five, verse number one, Paul says, "Therefore, being justified by faith." We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are justified by faith in our Lord Jesus. He is the one that brings this justification to us or accomplishes this justification for us. And we were looking at the Hebrew words and the uh, Greek word for justification in, uh, on Wednesday as we were looking at this. Hid, hid, hid and this is one I struggle with. Tis, in the Hebrew, <laughs> and and they they are being to uh, uh, declare man righteous is what that is, uh, and then in the Greek is the word dikeo. Uh, that's the word that's used, and it means to declare righteous. It's, it has the same meaning, it's just the two different languages. And so to justify does not mean that we are made justified necessarily, but rather it means that we are declared justified, if that makes sense. It is a declaration of our standing before God, declared to be righteous. Before God, and so there's. We're going to look tonight, as we or this afternoon, as we continue to look concerning this doctrine of justification. We're going to look at some of the characteristics and nature of this justification that we have. Uh, by definition, justification is, as uh, Burkhoff put it, like this. He gives this definition: that legal act of God by which he declares the sinner righteous of Jesus Christ. It is the legal act of God by which he declares the sinner righteous of Jesus Christ. That's Burkhoff's definition of justification. It's not, justification is not uh, renewal as regeneration is, or conversion. It's not a process of renewal as sanctification is, it does not affect the condition of the sinner, but rather it declares the state of the sinner. It declares who we are, if you will. It declares our place before the throne of God. Uh, Justification, for instance, removes uh, the guilt of sin and restores the sinner to all rights and privileges as a child of God. Whereas sanctification removes the pollution of sin and conforms the child of God into the image of Christ. It's, it's that process of making us more and more like Christ as Romans chapter 8 and verse number 29 declares. So justification removes the guilt of sin restores us to our place before the throne of God, and sanctification is what 
cleans us up, you see. Justification also takes place in God's tribunal uh, between the Trinity of the Godhead outside the sinner. This is, this is done between God the Father and God the Son. He, they, they, have, they have declared this, this legal act toward us in justification. Whereas sanctification takes place inside the sinner. It's, it's, it works in us. Um, justification takes place once for all. It's already done. It was done in the Lord Jesus at the cross. It was accomplished there. It's finished there. As far as it being done, it was done from eternity past. But it's worked out in, in the Lord Jesus. Whereas sanctification is a process that's not completed in us in this life. Even though, once again, God declares us sanctified. He declares it past tense. It's still being worked out in us throughout our lives. And so we'll never achieve it as long as we're in this flesh. But it is a process that is ongoing in us. Justification is also ascribed more particularly to the Father. That it, it is His work, whereas sanctification is ascribed more to the Holy Spirit. That it's His work continually in us. And so there's some, some differences, if you will, uh, between justification and sanctification. Now on the, the negative side of justification, uh, the negative element of it is that the forgiveness of sins is on the basis of the imputed righteousness of Christ. That's the, that's the negative side of it. It's that we have forgiveness of sins because our sins is imputed to the Lord Jesus. And He in return imputes to us His righteousness. On the positive side of it, we are adopted as the children of God through this process of sanctification. God places the child of God, He places the believer in the position of a child and gives him all the rights as a child. John chapter 1. Go back with me and look with me at, at verse 12 and verse 13 here. John chapter 1 verse 12 and verse 13. This speaking of the Lord Jesus coming to this world incarnate uh, doing this work of salvation for us since he came unto his own, his own received him not. There in verse 11 and verse 12 he says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. But of God. Now, Romans chapter 8. Look here in verse 15. And verse 16. We'll read, we'll read verse 17 as well. Verse 15 through verse 17. Romans chapter 8. Here Paul describes this position of the child of God now as a child. And what that means in regards to our inheritance in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are adopted as His children. 
And he says there in verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And then he says, verse uh, 15, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy, Daddy. Is what that, that's, that is a, a truly intimate relationship that is given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ between the child of God and our Father. That such a place is given to us. Now, we don't go to Him in prayer and say, Daddy. That's not, I've heard people do that before, and it just sounds so demeaning when they do that. I've heard them, I've heard them well, Daddy, I've come talk. It just, it, just, it kind of grates against me. Jesus said, we pray our Father, which art in heaven. We, we come to Him in, in, in uh, reverence. Even though Paul says we can come boldly, as we studied last week there in Hebrews chapter 10, that we have a boldness to enter into the presence of God, it still should be reverence on our lips when we come into His presence. So I'm a little bit... I, I, it, that, that turns me a little bit when I hear somebody say uh, daddy. But that's, Paul is not saying this is what we should call him. He's simply declaring the, the closeness, the intimacy of the relationship that we have because of this adoption that has been given us. That we have that kind of intimate relationship with our Father. That we can come to Him. That we can call Him. That we can have that boldness that we talked about in Hebrews chapter number 10 last week. And so he says we have that spirit of adoption given us whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself, he says, beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. And so we, we, are, we are made the children of God. We are adopted in Christ Jesus. We are given heirdom of the throne of God, of the kingdom of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And those, those things are remarkable that God would give us those things, those elements. As I've always said, it would have been enough for Him simply to save us. Simply to, simply to make us clean and give us a place before Him as His servants. But He goes beyond that. Yes, He makes us His servants. We are made doulos, the Scripture says. We are made His slaves, yes. But He goes beyond that. He goes beyond that position of slavehood and gives to us heirdom in His kingdom. He makes us His children. He, he, gives, uh, he adopts us into His family and makes us heirs and joint heirs with Christ Jesus our Lord. That's remarkable. That's remarkable, the love of God toward us. That not only does He give us eternal life, not only does He wash from us our sins, but He, he makes us His own. He makes us His children. He gives us this inheritance in Him. And it's remarkable that love, that love that God has for us, that He's worked such in our, in our stead and on our behalf. Galatians chapter 4. 
Galatians chapter 4, verse number 15. I'm sorry, verse 5 rather, not verse 15, verse 5. Galatians 4, verse 5 and verse 6. Galatians 4, verse 5, verse 6, he says, To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. We are made His children. In Christ Jesus. That's that process. That as justification is given to us, this is that positive part about our justification. We are adopted as the children of God. But we're also promised the title to eternal life. In this, in this action, we become, again, the legal heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, as we read there in Romans 8, verse 17. We're made his heirs and joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a part of or proof of our eternal life. That's not just, it's not just he's saying, I, I give you eternal life. No, I give you eternal life and you are heirs with my son. And so it, as long as he is an heir, so are we an heir, you see. And so he is eternal, so we are then eternal in him. And so there is that, that promise, that, that proof there of that eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord because it is he that we share this heirdom with. That we have this, that we are made heirs and joint heirs with him. And so that's, the, that's that positive part of our justification. Where does our justification take place? Well, there's, first of all, there's active justification. And that, that active justification took place, as I mentioned a minute ago, in the tribunal of God in heaven. Uh, in, uh, well, Galatians chapter 3, if you look with me there, verse number 11. Galatians 3 and verse 11. Look here what Paul writes. He says, But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. But that no man, he said, is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. There is none that is saved there is none that is justified before God by keeping the law. There's no, there's no possible way that we can get justified ourselves. There's nothing we can do to earn us this justification. Notice in Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter number 3 and verse number 20. Romans 3, verse number 20. Paul says here, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, 
Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The very purpose of the law, and Paul tells us that as well over in Galatians chapter number 3, same passage there. He tells us there as well as here that the purpose of the law was to show us our sin. It was not to save us. In fact, he says in Romans chapter 8 that it was, it was weak in the flesh. It wasn't able to do that. It wasn't able to do it because we're weak, not because there's anything wrong with the law. The law is just, right, holy, good. There's absolutely nothing wrong with God's law. The problem is you and I, we are not able. We are not able to keep God's law. We cannot do it. Even if we, even if we somehow conform to it outwardly, our hearts are still corrupt. Our hearts are still wicked. So much so that God says in Isaiah 64 and verse number 6, all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags before Him. But the very best that you and I can do is still sinful. The very best that you and I can do is still wicked before Him. That, he, that what we would consider the good things in our life what we would consider our good acts, our good actions, the good deeds that we have done, when they are laid before God, they are nothing. They are, in fact, wicked before Him. It's filthy rags before Him. It's only that which is in Christ. It's only that which is in Christ that is fit before His throne. And so we have to be in Him, you see. That's that, so the deeds of the law, keeping the law itself, does not in any way redeem us. There's not in any way does it justify us by us keeping the law of God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. What it, the purpose of the law was to show us we can't keep the law. And so because we can't keep the law, then it is to point us, as Paul says there in, in uh, Galatians chapter 3, turn back there with me, and look there in uh, Galatians 3, verse number, uh, well, go back up to verse 22. And we'll read down through verse 24. Galatians chapter 3, verse 22. He says, But the Scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. So the purpose of the law is not to save us. The purpose of the law was to show us our sin, to show us that we were transgressors of God's law, and to point us to Christ Jesus. Or as Brother Mark Minnie says, the school bus driver. That's, it's the law is the school bus driver to take us to Christ. It's what, it's what brings us to Him. Drive us to Jesus because we see the law and in seeing the law, we see our sin before God, and we see we cannot do it ourselves. That we have to have a Savior. We have to have somebody to do it in our place. We have to have somebody to justify us before the throne of God, because we can't do it. 
And nobody else can do it for us except Christ Jesus our Lord. He did it for us. He worked the works that we could not work. He kept the law of God perfectly. He lived a perfect sinless life. And He earned our righteousness in His obedience to the Father to give unto us righteousness where all we have is sin. He takes from us our sin, carries it to the cross in our stead, and in return gives unto us His righteousness. And so this is worked, you see. This is worked for us by God. It is not something we have worked in ourselves. So active justification is carried out by the Father. Now, passive justification, it works out in our hearts and in our conscience as He declares to us what He has done in our stead. He makes that known to us. As Romans chapter 8 says, His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. He declares that to us. He gives us assurance of our place before Him that we have been made clean before Him. That in Christ we are made the children of God. Justification, of course, is by faith, as we've read. And so it takes place in time uh, when it is made manifest to us of what was done for us in Christ, in in us believing Him, believing in Him, and faith given to us, repentance given to us, we then are justified in Christ Jesus. That justification at least is made known to us. And we see the, the ground or basis of that justification. It's not based on the sinner's own righteousness or some kind of inherent righteousness that he had. A lot of people have a mindset today that we're all good. We're basically good. We just have to we have to work really hard and get that good out, you know. Make it make that good shine. Uh, some people would even describe it as a little flame of divinity in us and you just got to fan that flame of divinity and and just just blow on that flame and it, it'll rage up in us and we, we then we'll be able to truly be what God's called us to be we don't have no righteousness in us in ourselves there's no fan or, or no flame of divinity in us there's we, Jesus declared there is none good but one He said, why call you me good? There is none good but one. That is the Father in heaven. What he's he's declaring there to them is that, listen, he's good. Jesus is good. He's declaring himself God there to them is what he's doing. Uh, But he he, he made it clear, none of us are good. We're we're not good enough because we don't have no good at all. There is none good, no, not one. And so it it is... it is not in our righteousness or some sort of inherent righteousness that we have that's somehow infused into our hearts. Uh, but it is, uh, well, we, we read already Romans 3 and verse 20. Look at Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 16. What Paul says here, Galatians 2 verse 16. 
knowing that a man is not justified, he says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So we are justified by Christ Jesus our Lord. Chapter 3 and verse 11, Galatians 3 verse 11, he says, but no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for the just shall live by faith. For the just shall live by faith. And so it's not based upon some inherent righteousness that is in us, but rather it is in the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ that we are justified. It is in His righteousness that He earned for us that in return is imputed to us. Sinners made the children of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 3 and verse number 24. Paul says in verse 20, Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And then he says, uh, well let me read verse 21. He says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Then he says, verse 24, being justified freely. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So we are justified wholly, solely in Christ. Only in Christ. We are, we are justified in Him. It is imputed to us. Chapter 5, Romans 5, verse number 9. He says, much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him, justified by His blood. Verse 19 of the same passage. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. It is by His obedience that we are declared righteous before the throne of God. Chapter 8 and verse number 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There is therefore now no condemnation. Uh, chapter 10, verse number 4. Chapter 10 and verse number 4. For Christ for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness 
For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. To everyone that believeth. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 30. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He makes us in Christ. These things, who is made, who is of God made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Chapter six, verse number eleven. Paul gives this list of sins here. He says, "Know ye not?" Verse nine: "Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived." Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Then he says this, verse 11, and such... Such were some of you. Such were some of you. But ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. All the grace of God. All His grace. Because we're all, every last one of us, sinners. Every last one of us transgressed His law. Every last one of us are, are deserving of His full wrath. Every last one of us. But because of His grace and our Lord's finished work, He gives unto us justification. He declares us righteous before His throne. That we are given a place there before His throne. That we are made right before the throne of God. That we can enter in, as Paul says there in Hebrews chapter 10, enter in boldly into His presence. And bring our petitions and bring our worship and have that open, ready access to His throne because, because of the wondrous grace of our God and the finished work of our Lord Jesus on our behalf. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21. Paul describes here this transaction as it is taken by our Lord or made for us by our Lord on the cross of Calvary. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For He, that's God the Father, hath made Him, that's God the Son, that's Jesus, 
For He hath made Him, God has made Jesus, to be sin for us. For me, little Tom Bird preached this passage one time and it always stuck out so clear to me. I loved, the, loved it when he preached it. He said, just go on right there in your Bible. And he said, write your name right there above us. He said, just write your name right there above it. For God hath made Christ to be sin for me. For us. Who knew no sin. There is no sin in Christ Jesus our Lord. He was the perfect man. Committed no sin. Lived a perfect, sinless life. Obeyed God in absolutely everything. Kept the law of God. Fulfilled it perfectly. Made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we. That I. That you. Might be made the righteousness of God in Him. That's our justification. He took my sin and in return gave me His righteousness. I didn't earn it. There was nothing I could do to get it. Christ Jesus did it for me. He took my sin and gave me His righteousness that he earned. Philippians chapter 3, one more verse. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 9. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 9. Paul says there in verse 8, says, Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I might win Christ. And be found in Him, he says, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. The righteousness which is of God by faith. That, that, my friends, is how we receive the justification of our Lord Jesus. It is through His finished work and He bestows it on us by faith. By faith. Holy, holy, His own work. His own work. We have that now in Christ Jesus as the children of God. There are those today, it's so sad to me to hear them say it, and, and what they're declaring is they don't have it. If you, if you come across somebody and you ask them about their salvation and what they have, they say, well, I don't know if I've got, well, I don't know what I've got. I'll just have to wait until I die to find out. Then that's, uh, that's, the answer is given to you right there. Well, you don't have it then. You don't, that's, that, I can tell you, I can answer the question for you. You don't have it. Because in Christ we have it now. There is therefore now 
Paul said, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Now. We have that now in Christ. Now. Now we are justified before the throne of God. Oh, the wondrous work of our Savior for us. Let's all stand together and we'll be dismissed.